podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. George, are you finding a lot of opposition players being particularly nice to you now that they know you're going to be a selector when you finish playing? No, a lot of friendly handshakes at the end. No, everyone's been pretty... Pretty normal, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're just always happy to see me finishing, finishing yeah, really? up. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. That was the new national selector, George Bailey, speaking after the Big Bash game last weekend at Sydney Showground Stadium. And joining me in this edition of Cricket Unfiltered, I have. Basically, I think my new permanent co-host replacing Paul <laughs> Judas Dennett is Jaleesa Apps, a sports reporter from Channel 9. Welcome back. Thank you. I don't think you could ever replace Paul. Well, I <laughs> wanted to run something by you. Hi, Paul. Welcome. No. Hi. Hi, Paul. Uh, um, so I want to get this off my chest. <clears throat> to the end of the last podcast, you held a cricket tragic quiz between Gus Walland and I to see who would who is the real cricket tragic Going into it, I was thinking you're going to look after your co-host, your good mate, Andrew Mensel. <laughs> Instead, you just fed these simple questions to Gus Warland. Why? Why? Well, savage. As a compliment to you. I, you know, I knew that you're such a cricket tragic. I thought even with the probably slightly more difficult questions to you, you'd handle it with aplomb. But mm. you, didn't, you didn't, though. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> Some of the questions were so bad. Middle names, you know, obscure teams oh, in the OGI. that is tough. And he was asking Gus the easiest questions. I mean, when we spoke about the quiz beforehand, I said, I'm in your hands. But what I was really saying was... Don't drop me in the in the deep end. You've got to make me look good here, not some <laughs> ringing guest. And all of a sudden, you just fed him these easy questions. And if I'd won and got his TV show, who would I have taken with me? Paul Dennett. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that the the notion I was set up to fail. Correct, but I think that the notion that you were going to get his TV show. That was your notion. I'm not sure if the entire world recognised that part of the deal. <laughs> I am pretty sure. That's how people... TV works. Yeah. <laughs> you right. answer a quiz and you're in. It's like boxing. That's right. So, yeah, so Jaleesa is probably going to have to take over from you now after um, stabbing me in the back in the last episode. And, and I look back, I listened back on the audio and even in the last question, I couldn't have even won then. I was already too far behind. So it was never going to happen, was it? No, so I suppose... It was rigged. No, I, I think just, just maybe... it. If you just spend a bit more time watching cricket and... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anyone else agrees with that sentiment, but anyway. <laughs> All right, listeners, so we have got a lot to talk about today. We're going to wrap up Australia's record-breaking win against the Indians in Mumbai. We're going to dive into the cricket headlines... We're going to read out some listener reviews and then we're going to bring it all home with Can't Let It Go. Before we get into all that, Paul, 
just to show that I do care about you a little bit, I do have a present for you. Oh, thank you. So when you walk into the SCG for the test, if you're in the members area, they give a great test statistics booklet out. Oh, thank you. And oh, I'll present cool. it to you now because I know you love your stats. Excellent. I think it's a great little touch by the SCG members area or the SCG trust to give out all the little stats brought to you by Crick Info. Okay, Manners. Who has taken the most wickets in... (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, you uh, just keep moving up the pecking order. All right, let's start with... um, It's a long game. That's right. So a lot of people are talking about these one days against India as not having a lot of meaning, Paul, but you found some meaning that's already been finished. Yeah, I found meaning that lasted for a few hours and... um, (laughs) I was the one leading the charge saying these games were meaningless. And then I just thought... Totally agree. Australia has done pretty well in one-day cricket against India, uh, in India, over the recent years. So I thought, I wonder what the overall record is. And to my surprise, Australia actually went into this series with a winning record over India. Australia had won 29 in India, and India had won 27. So the meaningfulness out of this series was if India were to win it 3-0 suddenly this statistic, which I'd only discovered the other day, would then, <laughs> would then cease to exist. Happily, with Australia absolutely annihilating them last night, Australia is now 30-27 to 27 and has an, a lead that will be unassailable till the next tour. It was an incredible win for Australia. They dismissed India for 255 and then just completely cruised to victory. None for 258. David Warner, 128 not out of 112 balls. Aaron Finch, 110 not out off 114 balls. It's a lot of um, records in this. It's the highest ever partnership against India for any wicket in one-day cricket. It's the highest undefeated partnership for Australia ever. It's the fifth time in history the Aussie openers have each scored a century in an ODI. And I think the best stat of all is David Warner became the fastest Aussie to pass 5,000 ODI runs, which sometimes I think his one-day cricket, I don't know, is undervalued. Yeah, I actually found a bit more meaning in this series after the test summer that we had because I felt I was really against these games. I was really annoyed that they were being played in the middle of the Aussie summer and that our ODIs are now being pushed back so far. But after the summer that we had, I sort of really wanted to gauge where we're actually at, especially overseas Mm. and especially against India. It's not quite playing a test, but it does give you a good gauge that our batsmen are actually really, really on fire. I must say I enjoyed last night more than I've enjoyed a, a non-World Cup one-day game for as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, it, I, I thought Australia was going to do well over there, but I didn't think they'd be quite <laughs> at this level. I, you know, I haven't had this good a feeling about an Australian one-day side since the golden era of the back-to-back undefeated World Cups. Yeah. I, all the way through the match, I thought India aren't scoring quickly enough here. This pitch is, is a belter. They should be scoring more quickly. The Australians were fielding brilliantly. The bowling was fast and furious and... You know, a couple of times India showed a little bit of a lack of intent as well. There's one where they belted one down the ground and thought it was going to go for four and they only got one when they should have got two, whereas Australia would not do that. Um, so interesting to see if that Australia can maintain this form for the last couple because with the World Cup of um, T20 cricket in India not far down the road, we've got the one in Australia coming up first, but then the Indian one, um, it's going to be great to see Australia uh, potentially succeeding in India again. My only disappointment was I really wanted to see Manus Labuschagne mm. bad. Well, Have I, you learned to say his name, by the way? 
I have, but apparently Steve Waugh called him <laughs> Marcus Labouchain before presenting him his cap. He got, he so got both names wrong. He got both of them wrong. <laughs> I got that right. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Labouchain. Labouchain. It's back to Paul, mm. Paul Hogan. Uh, <laughs> but Steve Waugh called him Marcus. Homework. That's incredible. That's incredible. Marcus. <laughs> What a summer Warner's having now. If, if the, yeah. te- the test series wasn't enough to smash 128 not out, to be the fourth fastest player ever to 5,000 ODI runs, I just don't think he gets the credit for how well he does in 50-over cricket. Mm, probably not. And I was, again, a little bit sceptical of his summer Really did want to you see. You wanted him to see more. Didn't I wanted you? to see. I keep wanting to see more, but he keeps delivering <laughs> yeah. more. So that's great. Starkey picked up three for fifty six in the Indian innings. Cummins two for forty four. Kane Richardson two for forty three. They did play both spinners Zampa and Agar, and Zampa has the wood over a pretty good batsman called Virat Kohli. He dismissed him caught and bowled mm. for sixteen. So great stuff by Zampa. Mitchell Stark, you love this, Paul. How good is his strike rate in international one day cricket? Not only the best in history, but it's the best by a couple of points. Yeah, it's incredible. And that that ball that he knocked the off stump uh, out of the ground, one of the better balls I've seen in a long time. Switching tack back to the openers, um, is it time to start talking about Aaron Finch for the Australian test side again for the Bangladesh tour? No, not in my opinion. I think Joe Burns has locked that up pretty solidly. (laughs) (laughs) He was convincing. So, yeah, the Aussies go 1-0 up in the series. They play the second game on Friday, I think, in the third game on Sunday. And that's the the game on Sunday where the Big Bash and the ODI, the One Day International, go head-to-head on TV, which is going to be a really sort of history-making moment. Yeah, it's a disappointing moment. And, I mean, this game itself was a disappointing one in the sense that they had to have the the debut of, uh, of A.B. de Villiers pushed to mid-afternoon. You'd think if A.B. de Villiers is coming out to the Big Bash, that's one of the great moments in the history of the Big Bash. Mm. They only got 19... Especially this season. Exactly. They only got 19,000 to the gap, which is pretty good for the mid-afternoon. Uh, the TV ratings, given it wasn't on free-to-air, would have been some of the smaller TV ratings ever. It wasn't that long ago that... This game would have had 1.2 million people watching on TV. There would have been 38,000 um, at the Gabba. And, uh, you know, it's a bit unfortunate the, the way the schedule panned out, but a little bit disappointing. And what are we going to do on Sunday night when the BBL and the ODI are head-to-head? Is it two screens? I think that's what my uh, method will be. And I think probably the ODI will get the big screen and then the big bash, the mi- mini screen. Well, on KO, you can split them. Not right. that I'm plugging KO. <laughs> this is not an ad. I'm open to bribes, though. If KO do want to sponsor the podcast. Yeah, yeah. What, what but you can split them, so I'm set. What do they say on the ABC or something? Other streaming services are available? Yes. Yeah. Although on other streaming services, you can split them. Personally, I won't be watching the Big Bash at all. Um, oh, Paul. I just still, I'm a purist. International cricket takes precedence. I'll find out the Big Bash result the next day from you. I'm okay. one of the... I'll, I'll end up watching both and then... Seeing which one I get more into. Yeah. If we're going to start just smashing India, I probably will go to the Yeah, if India keep being pathetic, yeah. then it won't be much of a game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a pathetic India, uh, Kohli <laughs> wow. is, is up for the challenge next summer. That is the good thing about this tour. We can start to stoke the fires for when India come here for a test series. Kohli has said he's happy to play the Aussies wherever, whether it's the Gabba or in Perth, and he's happy to play uh, red ball or pink ball. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we might get the test summer we want next year, which is the first test being played at the Gabba against India. And then I guess you'd have Adelaide, 
Melbourne and Sydney, uh, the four tests for uh, India. The only, uh, I guess, thing there might be whether they switched the Gabba test to the Optus Stadium in Perth. We should call this bluff and just have four day-niners at the Gabba. <laughs> <laughs> no, I admire the fact that Collie said this, but Michael Vaughan's reaction to it was telling when they were... Um, how he was interviewing him and, and I think expecting Vaughan to say something similar and he just said it shouldn't be up to him. shouldn't be up to Coley at all and I agree with that too, that, that this shouldn't be newsworthy because Cricket Australia should be able to, if we want to play four test matches in, um, mm. you know, Tennant Creek, we, we should be able to. Yeah. Burua. <laughs> yeah, bring on to Borua. Well, you said you didn't get enough international cricket growing up there. So. Yeah, I know. Sad times. Sad times indeed. All right. ma- I made a Bay 13 at the local ground. We had a little sign. Really? Yeah. Was it raucous like the Bay 13 in it was, it was Melbourne? A, you would have got kicked out of this one a lot earlier. I can imagine you throwing <laughs> beer cans on the field after. Have you gone back and gentrified it now that they've got the um, the boundary social in Bay 13? No, I have to do that. Oh, that'll be my next job. It sort of would fit with your burgeoning career, you know. It started off like really sort of rough and ready and now it's, you know. <laughs> it's always been rough and ready. Okay, good. All right, let's get on to the week's cricket headlines mm-hmm. brought to you by Piccolo Podcast. Let's start with the Big Bash. A.B. de Villiers made his debut on Tuesday afternoon. As uh, Paul mentioned, he made 40 of 32 deliveries and the Heat beat the strikers. So a good start for him and his team. Mm-hmm. I was negative about the crowd there, but watching him bat, I'm anything but negative. That It is a great coup having him in there. I, I just found every ball... I was cheering him on like he was an Australian. I've got no investment in whether the Brisbane Heat win or not, but I just wanted him to hit every ball for four, and he, God, he, he batted really nicely. I didn't even have to wait till he was batting. When I just saw him in the field at mid-off talking to the bowler, I was like, how good is this having AB de Villiers yeah. in the big bash? Wouldn't it be cool if one day we got Coley? Like, I know that's such a dream, but, you know, if we could get a Paul Coley really wants a... MS Dhoni to come to the big bash. That's oh, yeah. your dream. <laughs> Or you just want to interview MS Dhoni? Uh, it's just a running joke that we say <laughs> MS Dhoni was unavailable, so we couldn't get him on the podcast. <laughs> Dhoni Am I filling in for MS Dhoni? Yes. No, we had either one, but we said that we said MS. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. Um, we can't get you on this week. Maybe next week. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> also, though, there's talk that De Villiers might be back for the uh, South Africa in the T20 World Cup. I, I reckon that'd be uh, great as well. You're not so keen, Manners? No, no, I am. I think the the reports were that he's speaking to um, the Graeme Smith about coming out of retirement for it. So that would be fantastic for South Africa. Not so good for opposition teams, True. including Australia. The Big Bash League table. We are recording this on Wednesday, 15th of January, and the table stands at the moment. The Melbourne Stars on top with 16 points. Sydney Sixers on 12. Scorchers on 10 points. Brisbane Heat on 10 points. Adelaide Strikers and Sydney Thunder tied on nine points. Hobart Hurricanes on six points. And languishing with no wins from nine games is the Melbourne Renegades. What an awful season for the defending champions. So it's it's a very tight table apart from the Renegades. Any of the top seven teams could make the top five. I think the Sydney Thunder, though. Didn't they kind of blow a good start? mm, They're they're in trouble. They're, They're sort of reverting to the norm of their usual form in the competition. Yeah. Uh, but I did say the first time I was on this podcast that they were going to take it out. <laughs> and well, I did put a bet on. <laughs> well, still possible. Still I possible, bet very absolutely. small. Apart from the Melbourne Renegades, though, any of those five teams could make the finals. Mathematically, the Renegades still can as well. 
If they were to win five in a row, that would get them ten points, wouldn't yeah. it? The so stars are just looking good. Wouldn't it be amazing if the Renegades won nine in a row to win the comp from here? Because that's what they'd have to do. Yeah. Win five in a row and then the four in the finals. Mm. Yeah, well, speaking of betting, if you want that, you, you can get odds of 320 to one, which <laughs> sounds like it should have another two zeros after it to make fair odds. <laughs> <laughs> the leading run scorer for the competition so far is Marcus Stoinis, 478 <clears throat> runs. He made a record score of 147 not out of 79 balls. He and... Hilton Cartwright put on 207 for the opening partnership. It's the highest score in the BBL. It's the highest partnership in the BBL. And it's the 14th double hundred partnership ever in T20 cricket. It's interesting, his situation, because he played that amazing innings in, the, uh, in New Zealand a little while ago. At his best, he's first played pick for the Australian side. But I still... I haven't seen enough of him doing it yet. I would still not have him in my world T20 side. What about you guys? Um, I think probably you do need to see a little bit more from him, but I think if you were picking it tomorrow, it's hard, he's hard to go past. True. I think there's a lot of time till then, and we probably need to see a bit more from him. Yeah, my problem with Stoinis for the Australian side is that he opens the batting for the Stars, and, and that seems to suit him, but I'm not sure he can open the batting for Australia. So he doesn't seem to be able to come in in the middle order, mm. Stoinis, and start mm. hitting uh, sixes like Maxwell can. Jury's out on that one. The leading wicket-taker for the competition so far is a little-known player called Daniel Sams, left-arm quick bowler for the Sydney Thunder. As I said, the Sydney Thunder season is at a crossroads and they've had the unfortunate occurrence of one of their bowlers being banned for an illegal action. So Chris Green, the Sydney Thunder off-spinner, has been banned for 90 days because it has been found out that when he bowls his quicker delivery, he goes slightly over the... He bends his arms slightly too much. So he's out for the rest of the big bash and it certainly would put his participation in the IPL in, in some doubt. Yeah, I feel really for him and he was one of the most exciting bowlers to watch I think at the moment, especially young bowlers and someone we hadn't really seen a whole lot of. So I was really feeling for him um, because I think it would kind of rattle you a little bit when you were bowling so well to be told your action, you now have to kind of relearn bowling. That would mentally, I think, rattle you a little bit. But in his press conference, he was fantastic. He took it so well. He wasn't bitter about it. Um, and he admitted that it needed that he'd gone through rigorous test re- testing and it needed to be changed. And he has such a positive mindset. I was so impressed with him. I agree. And I wish him all the very best because it's such a stigma. Although maybe the stigma is dropping a little bit. I think that they're managing it so much better than they used to in the horrible days when players were getting no-balled on the field. Ian Meckith. Well, yeah, and then... No-balled out of the game. Yes, exactly. And then more recently with, with Murley in the whole... That sort of um, summer of 95, 96 when... Um, whatchamacallit? Darryl Hare. Was no-balling him on the MCG. It was funny, in commentary, Tony Gregg said, and I wonder if anyone will ever remember the name of the bowler that was actually being no-balled. And it's like, I didn't realise he'd go on to become the <laughs> greatest... 800 wickets. The greatest mm. spin bowler ever. Anyway... People um, are so bitter <clears> about that. <clears throat> Too. Yeah, a few bitter tweets resurfaced. Yes, yeah. There certainly Chris were, Green. yeah. But I think that the stigma seems to have dropped a little bit now that they're saying we're going to do some remedial work and come back. So yeah, I, I hope that he comes back bigger, than, bigger and better than ever. Now, Paul, there was an, an incident in the Big Bash with a, with a catch and it really seemed to confuse the viewers. Matt Renshaw took a catch within play <laughs> and then 
sort of went over the boundary, tossed the ball up as he went over, so that was all fine. And then from outside the boundary, jumped up in the air and palmed the ball back in the air to his teammate who was in play who took the catch. So Matt Renshaw was outside the play, jumped in the air, palmed the ball into his uh, teammate Matthew Wade, one of my favourite cricketers, was out. What do we think of this new rule where that if you're basically outside the field of play, as long as you're not touching the ground, you can um, palm the ball to a, a fielder. Someone was saying if you wanted to, you could just stand there palming the ball up and jumping until one of your teammates came from Yeah, if you've got that f- skill, then yeah. good on you. I might start getting basketballers. It's not really a new rule. It's been around since 2013, and apparently it's happened six times, and every time all the players have reacted with the same level of um, amusement as if to say, what's going on here? So it's... Um, it's a strange one. I think it's like they've said, let's just try to create the rule that encourages as much weird athleticism as possible. You know, I think it's an arbitrary thing. They could have easily made it that you've got to have your feet... Um, you've, got to left, you've got to have leapt from the field of play. I, I think that's a better rule. You've got to have leapt <clears throat> from the field of play. I thought it was great. What? I Yep, I was one of the people that I thought this was a great rule, love it, shows off skill, shows off... You've got to think so quickly to actually... Have done it. Yep. Yeah, I like it as well. I think that it's one where it's not a rule. You just said that because Jaleesa did. No, no, no. It's not a new rule either. Like Paul said, it's not a new rule. Yeah. And I I think if you were possibly being a purist, you'd say, no, they shouldn't do it this way. But I I think when it's a 50 50 thing, Mm. let's um, open the door to extra athleticism and probably also give the fielders a slightly um, better chance given the batter seem to dominate everything. Now I do want to see one player just start bouncing the ball from outside play, like <laughs> yelling too. to his teammate to come, come over. over. That'll be the <laughs> quickest way to get this rule changed, I can tell you. All right, Julissa, I've got a question for you. Mm. Do you think the Big Bash has too many games? Um, Are you a fan of the 14-game home and away season? I am, but I do have realised lately that I am one of the rare people that is probably still into the Big Bash as much as it has been in the other people have been in the past few years. I've noticed talking to people particularly that I work with and other sports reporters, everyone is unfortunately losing a little bit of interest. I can't understand that because I love being able to put on every single night knowing that I'm probably going to get some cricket. Wow. I you just saying every good thing just then. <laughs> I don't like the double headers that happen when you're like, well, of course the crowd numbers are going to be low. Everyone's back at work. Like there was a Wednesday, the Wednesday double header. Who's going to that? So I think scheduling probably needs to be re-looked at a bit um, because then I think when you've got low crowd numbers, it makes it look bad and I don't like that. Over that a Christmas period, I think it works because there's so many people off work that they can go. But now the double headers on, say, a Wednesday don't work. Mm. Um, so do you like the 14 games per team or I, do you think they should go back to 10 or 12? I do, but I don't oh, – see, personally, I do. But if people are losing interest, perhaps it should be shortened. I don't want to see that, though. Neither do I. No, I like the 14 games, but I and I never wanted them to, to condense the season. It, it, Everyone seemed to say last year went too long. It did go too long. And I, I would have said I would prefer them to say, no, we're going to keep it at the same length and fight for February. As I've said, you know, hashtag fight for February. I want cricket to <laughs> um, be dominant into the last month of summer. It's summer. It should be cricket time. I find that the double has just passed me by, that um, I take my eye off the ball for one day, two games have gone by, it feels like it's, it's sped up too much. And I think a lot of people also feel, even though this is silly, but back when it was on one network, 
every night, 7.30, there was cricket on Channel mm, 10. Mm. Now I think that there's this feeling of, oh, is it on Channel 7 tonight or not? Is there a double yes. header? And it, yep. that, it shouldn't matter, but somehow it seems to. Uh, oh, I think you're spot on with that, Paul. It I does, think it has sure. made a difference splitting the networks. And, you know, I get messages from people all the time when there's a game just on Fox. Oh, oh no big bash on 7 tonight. Mm. What's going on? I think that is a really big thing of why, you know, that shared experience has been diluted and it sort of... You know, everyone could turn up the next day and go, oh, did you see that or did you hear what Gilly said or yeah. something like that? But now it's kind of lost that feeling. I think February probably would have worked this year given the one day is in mm. March. I think this year it would have worked um, having them in February. I didn't think it worked last year. They've kind of killed the Big Bash a little bit by putting it on Fox because I love what Fox do. I think Fox broadcast cricket. They do a brilliant job with all cricket. But having the big bash on Fox, you don't get those casual watchers that uh, don't necessarily watch cricket, but then when the big bash comes around, they do watch it. And They're it not going like to go to Fox. And it soapy when it was on Channel 10. That you had to watch every game because it was a like a moving story. You know? Yeah. Every night there was something and yeah. you missed one, whereas but I don't feel that anymore. People are just casu- who are just casual observers of cricket, which are largely a lot of the big bash audience, are not going to pay for Foxtel, pay for KO if they don't have it and go and find it, they will just flick through their free-to-air and watch whatever's on. Mm. And it's also lost out on the fact that when it was just on Channel 10, the ratings were amalgamated and so people who look at the ratings and say, oh, the biggest show last night was the Big Bash. It got Mm. one million people. Now... 600,000 are watching it on Channel 7 and 300,000 are watching it on Foxtel. It's, it's sort of just it's diluted it and diminished it. The ratings have not been, from what the ratings that I've looked up, have not been great no. either. Yeah, I don't mind the schedule for this season, the way they've got most of the league games in the school holidays and then the finals run through the first two weeks of February. I think that's better. But I think things like this one-day tour in India, you know, it means you push more games to the afternoon and it does suck a bit of oxygen out of the tournament. Uh, I, I put out a, a TikTok last week where I said that I prefer watching back-to-back Big Bash games on television rather than a day's test cricket. Now, it's not that I prefer T20 cricket over test cricket, but as far as one day's viewing goes, I love back-to-back Big Bash games on TV because you're guaranteed you're going to see lots of excitement. You see four teams in about six hours. You see a swathe of star players. If you're lucky, you're going to get two thrilling games. So I find that experience watching back-to-back Big Bash games is amazing and better than most individual days of Test cricket. There's a, there's a, a So many variables, though. In what? In, like... Well, I sort of agree with you, but then it depends what day of the test you're watching. It depends. Yeah, but I just think all things being equal, probably you're going to have a really good afternoon watching back-to-back Big Bash games. You're going to see four teams bat. You're going to see four different sets of players. Yeah, I I see your point. I do as well. And I also think that some people people might actually think that and don't want to admit it, that there's a sort of a, a shared cultural feeling of ardent cricket fans who say, oh... 
you know, my favourite thing is when there's 90 overs bowled and not a single run gets scored. I just love attritional test cricket because that's, you know, and I think people talk that up a little bit and maybe in secret actually yeah. w- would agree with you but don't want to admit it. Yeah, that's probably true. And the, the dream I is se- actually... Oh, I certainly don't agree with you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> you just said you did. <laughs> I see your point. <laughs> the dream is when you can go to the first game and come home and watch the second of the doubleheader. Anyway, let's move off the Big Bash to the other cricket headlines. So, Warren's baggy green cap sale has been hijacked. So, we had a cricketer selling a hat he doesn't really care for and a bank buying the hat for $1,007,500. Can't believe I got in- outbid. You just missed out? <laughs> just. And you, it's great that Commonwealth Bank of Australia could, you know, hijack this for um, some PR points. Uh, initially hated it, liked the, when they were taking it on tour. Yeah, that's great, but like a million's nothing for the CBA and basically oh, they've seen it as a great, you know, marketing ploy, which is good. Yeah, I mean... Morty's I'll... seen it as a great marketing ploy, CBA's seen it as one, so everybody's winning. Main thing is a lot of money's going to where it's needed. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think Warney did see it as a marketing ploy. I don't think Warney did either. I think he, he doesn't was... care about the baggy green. No, 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 but... He, he cares about bushfires, though. Yeah, I think he was genuinely doing it, and... He might not value the baggy green as much as Steve War, but he would have known that he's got something there that's worth many, many hundreds mm. of thousands of dollars. That's still, um, you know, he's effectively thrown a million dollars away, which is not nothing. No, I, 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 I'm no, no, I'm not saying it's nothing. No, I think no. it would be more selfish to hold on to it if it doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe. No, yeah, I think no, I think Warney had pretty... I will not hear bad words against Warney. <laughs> I do not think it's a big sacrifice. <laughs> no, but I think he had um, noble motives for this. So do I. Okay, I'm not sure about the CBA. <laughs> It has been announced that the, would Shane Warne and Ricky Ponting are going to captain two sides in a charity match that will aid bushfire relief. The venue is to be decided because it's going to have to fit in with where the Big Bash final is. Well, it's going to be Melbourne. You can feel it. Love it if it was in Sydney, though. Wouldn't it? But nice. you're looking with stars on top of the table. It does look like yeah. it'll be at the MCG. So they're going to play it at the same venue as the Big Bash final just beforehand, or are they going to play it at a different venue? I'm not sure they've decided that yet. Because I think, I think it it's make... all being nutted out. Because I'm sure, like, Fox and Seven will want Ponting and Warren to commentate on the final because that's their mm. big-ticket item. So yeah. you would have to be in the same city. Now, Joss Butler was fined 15% of his match fee for sledging Vernon Philander and the um, the sledge was broadcast because Supersport, the, the network that covers the tests in South Africa love dropping opposition players into trouble. So Joss Butler fell foul of Supersport again. And uh, it does raise the question where the stump mic should be muted between balls. I, I disagree. I would like them to be muted, not because I'm afraid of bad language coming through. I want the bad language, but I don't want to have to hear the, the boring gibberish that they carry on with. If they could just give me an edited feed with only the swearing. I would <laughs> <laughs> be happy for that. I would be happy for that. The sledge line or something. <laughs> but I also do think you, the point that you make, you're hinting at is a good one, that whatever they decide, the players are entitled for it to be in accordance with what they've been told. If they know that they are going to have the stump marks on only for the actual ball itself and then they're going to turn it off, that's one thing. If it's going to be on the whole time, then the players need to know that as well. And my understanding is that the way it works in Australia is Fox Sports or whichever network is going to broadcast 
the audio from the stunt mic, they warn the players before that over. They oh, say, for sure, yeah. Next over, we're going to leave it on, be ready. Yeah. Now, I'm sure Joss Butler didn't get this warning. And as I said, Super Sport from South Africa, they never broadcast the South African players sledging. They just like to drop opposition players into it. So I think that's uh, another low blow. I just think... I hate them. I just think when there's, a, when there's a microphone around, don't say anything you don't want anyone to hear. Uh, look, that is the professional point. Yeah. And also, I think you're implying that um, uh, had Supersport been less vigilant than you're happy with what Cameron Bancroft was doing a year ago? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying Supersport always do this. They try and uh, hone in and target the opposition players and get them in trouble to give their side an advantage. It is not just Cape Town where we were deserved it, but it's going back years. So uh, they've done it again. Good luck to them. That's the sort of underhanded tactics they need. Hello, South Africa. <laughs> um, <laughs> I take that. Remember when when there's a microphone, you've got to. Yeah. Because I'm going to get the footage of this. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I meant it. <laughs> All right, that was the week's cricket headlines. We're going to take a quick break. Before that break, I want to remind you: if you've got a moment, go on and find us on social media. We're on Twitter and in- Instagram. At Oz Cricket Pod, that's A U S Cricket Pod. Go and follow us. We're also on TikTok as Cricket Unfiltered. It's going off on TikTok. I was saying to Paul, I had a young man come up to me at Sydney Showground Stadium last weekend and tap me on the, sho- the shoulder and say, I really like your TikTok, sir. So, oh, I love that. We're planning a school tour for later in the year, <laughs> primary school tour. That's our new, new audience. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, I'm going to play some questions I asked to the Sydney Cricket Ground curator, Adam Lewis. Now, Paul and I are quite vocal in our opinions about the Sydney Cricket Ground pitch, but it was a good opportunity. I spoke to Adam before the test match, and it was just good to get his side of things. So quick break, and then we'll be back with Adam Lewis. Adam, how challenging is it for you at the moment preparing pitches at the SCG? I mean, you've had football teams coming through, you've had U2 playing. You know, how hard is it for you to actually prepare a good wicket for the test? It is. It is very challenging. Um, but this is this is the work that, that that we strive for. You know, this is this is what we expect on, on a field at the SCG. It is it is challenging, but but we accept we accept it. You know, do you have less time preparing the pitch because of um, all the other things going on? We don't have less time um, in preparing. We're still given our set days to prepare the wickets. Um, so no, no. It's... Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host Andrew Menzel. I'm here with Jaleesa Apps, sports reporter for Channel Nine. I'm here with Paul, the Summer Game Dennett. That was Adam Lewis, and I thought good stuff from him. He didn't make excuses. I think he wanted to say something at the end about having less time, but then he sort of seemed to shy away from it. But, yeah, good stuff from the curator. Yeah, and I think that this year, as we talked about last time, the the SCG pitch was better than it had been and better than we'd feared. It's still not at the level that I think it needs to be, but it was an encouraging test match this year. Let's see what he does um, next year. Hopefully it can get right back to when I think it was one of the best wickets in the world. In a moment, we're going to read out some lovely iTunes reviews. But, Paul, you did a little bit of a reflection on the last 20 years of cricket. We didn't really spend much time at the end of 2019 talking about the decade or the two decades before that had come, but you've had a little bit of time to sort of pontificate on it. Well, I was just thinking, what will the next 20 years bring? 
And I started to think, well, will T10 League start taking over? And then I suddenly thought, wait a minute. Think Do you back. think about this sort of stuff, Jaleesa? Like what, oh, yeah. What especially the next 20 years yeah, especially with, uh, with all the movement towards a shorter format. It, yeah. it worries me. I can see you having sleepless nights Keeps about me that. awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm being serious. No, I, I, know, I know you are. <laughs> I am as well. Um, but I thought, what's the point of trying to guess what's going to happen when if I went back to 2000 to try to predict what was going to occur over the, the 20 years that has just gone by... It's just been an absolute revolution. And I remember back in 2000, I would have thought, well, the, the game has had its revolution. The Packer revolution in the 70s, the rise of one-day cricket, pretty stable. Um, we've got test cricket, we've got one-day cricket. And I would have thought, will Australia ever lose another game of cricket back well, in 2000? took a long time. It took until 2011 until they lost another game in the World Cup. So There you go. <laughs> but then look at this. Uh, I've just come up with five points that if you've got one of us from 2000 here as a time traveller that you could say to them to um, blow their mind. So firstly... I was in primary school, by the way. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Manners and I had only just arrived at the aged care facility back then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, okay, so firstly, the time traveller's here, whomever it is of us. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Maxwell. Because <laughs> he's always, like, he's always stuck in a time, time warp. <laughs> Jim, pleasure to meet you. Um, no, firstly, if you'd said to them, this summer in Australia, there will only be three one-dayers. They'll all be in March. One of them will be in Hobart and none of them will be on free-to-air TV. You would have got a pretty big reaction to that, I would have thought. All in March would have shocked me three years ago. Yes, all in March shocked me this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. None on free-to-air. No, I mean, this was shocking. right in the middle of the, the tri-series period where the tri-series was the sort of big ticket item mm. every summer. So, yeah, I can't, yep, big, big change. And if I then said, number two, how much India dominate cricket? Now, India had just been out to Australia in 99-2000. They'd played three tests, we'd hammered them, and that had been the first test matches that they'd played in Australia since 91-92. Mm. So eight years had gone by. To suddenly say, we are now this summer playing one-day cricket in India in the middle of our summer because they said otherwise we'll shut you down... What about the rise of India in the last two decades? Mm. Probably more predictable if you sort of see the way they embrace the game, that eventually it would take off, you know, continue to improve. There. I guess the IPL is one that really sort of came from nowhere because they had no interest in T20 cricket. They win the T20 World Cup and all of a sudden the next year they start their tournament. Absolutely. And, um, well, on that, that, that one, the fact that you could say, oh, by the way, um, an Australian player just got paid $3.2 million dollars and he's going to play domestic cricket in India for two months for that. That's incredible. And imagine That's if he'd said, uh, say, Nathan Coulton-Isle, a Sheffield Shield player who, who plays the odd game, is going to earn $1.5 million for six weeks' work. Mm. And he's not even an Australian player. Mm. Uh, back then, in 2000, I reckon Shield players were probably getting 30, 40 grand a year. Yeah. Can I add one to this? Yeah. Go for it, yeah. Um, that you're going to be able to earn a workable income as a female player. Yes, that's a very good one. That's still amazing to me. 20 years ago, most people wouldn't have even known we had an Australian women's team. I never, like, ever got the chance to play cricket. And it's, like, sad, guys. It's really sad. It is sad. It's such a good point. I turned up at uni and I thought, oh, cool, there's a women's cricket team. And when I went to think about maybe trying out, I was like, whoa, they are way too good. Wow, that's so sad. I'll just run the drinks. Yeah. So that that, I think that's been a big... Big change. Yeah, definitely. It's a massive change, yeah. 
and even the rise in the last three years has just mm. been extraordinary there. Since that new deal that, that in 2016, that uh, new bargaining agreement. Yeah. We had um, uh, Anthony Everard on a couple of years ago, who was then the head of the Big Bash, and we sort of said, why don't you really uh, increase the, the pay for women's cricketers out of all recognition? And he kind of said, well, watch this space, and um, you know, they were proven correct. All right, last couple. We had 55,000 the other day turning up to watch two Melbourne teams play against each other, and we all thought, that's good, but it's 30,000 less than a couple of years ago. Um, again, 2,000, that would have blown my mind. 2,000 domestic cricket was in a pretty poor state then. You know, the, the one-day domestic cup was quite big in the early 90s, but 20 years ago, I mean, it was almost invisible. You would get six or 7,000 to the first one-day of the summer at North Sydney Because the Oval. test players would be available. Mm. Yep. And then it went through a tiny little, um, a, a, a tiny little upsurge when Steve Waugh got dropped from the one-day side and played some one-days for New South Wales. I remember going out to Homebush and they had 15,000 there just kind of to watch him back. But then either side of that, it was, it was virtually zero. So to, to, to contemplate being disappointed by 55,000, not even for domestic, that's like half domestic, that's splitting Melbourne in half. That's, um, that's incredible. And the final one is that we have video d- review available for all decisions if we want it using what would seem like to someone from 2000 almost um, science fiction level of technology, this ball tracking, projection, everything else. It's just um, That's a wonderful development, I think. Mm. And in 20 years, we might not even have umpires. Hopefully, they'll be robots. That's, well, if you that's dr- the future. If you draw a line through that last 20 years and assume a similar level, then in 20 years... I mean, my friend always says that... So if we're just going in 20 so years, gonna- there'll be no ODIs... Our friend Patrick, who's been on the show, says that in 20 years' time, the Ashes will be a, a three-game T20 series between Chennai Super Kings and Mumbai Indians. Played completely indoors because <laughs> it's too hot to go outside. <laughs> Played completely on the moon. We should listen to this podcast in 20 years. Yes, definitely. Everyone remember that. Put a note in your diary. <laughs> you can now. Calendar reminder. All right. Now, uh, recently, um, I put out a... What? It's like, you've, it's like you are the, the, the 2000 time traveller who's here. Like... <laughs> Putting notes in the reminder is not that new. No, but you, you <laughs> can actually put in a reminder for 20 years now. On your I can't iPhone. wait 2040 when Siri tells me you, to listen to this. Like, you can go back through your iPhone now and find out what you did five years ago to I the know. day, whereas you couldn't have done that in 2000, what like we're talking about. True, mm. true. So, I put out a call for some more iTunes reviews, and I said I would read them out, and I would said I would read <laughs> the good and the bad ones out, and I've got Jaleesa and Paul here to help me. Jaleesa, do you want to read the first one out? I love Manners is the title. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best cricket podcast going around. Way better than that grade cricketer rubbish. Oh, I don't want to sledge other podcasts. There you go. The funny thing is Scrummage123 left this review and then I think he got some cold feet about sledging the grey cricketer because a few days later the review changed. I love Manners, but this is the best cricket podcast going around. P.S. Manners episode with Harry Conway was outstanding and great listening. So thank you, Scrummage, for those two lovely reviews. People who listen to this show will know that the grey cricketer podcast and I have a slightly fractured relationship. Now, do you want to read the next uh, review? <laughs> all right. Um, I'll read this next one. Don't interrupt me, though, during it, man. Oh, wait. Okay. All right. Menzel needs to shut up. <laughs> On the episode with Lockie, special guest, I counted 11 separate times Menzel spoke over the top of the guest. Menzel is obviously so narcissistic, he started a podcast merely to record and listen back to his own opinion. 
that was from Tim2305. So this is obviously from Tim McCurdy, Lachlan's relative, Lachlan McCurdy. Yeah, so thanks for listening that one episode, Tim. I'm sure you're never going to listen again. I mean, most of that is true. I did start a podcast to listen to my own voice back. But I did sit next to Lachlan and read this review out, Tim, during the test. And he did get a bit uncomfortable. And he said he doesn't know anyone called Tim. So I think it's a fake name. <laughs> you really, you're not bothered by this at all, are you, Menace? You're very calm about it. <laughs> I am very calm. The reason I spoke over him is because I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got two more reviews to go. I'll read this one. Good pod for Aussie cricket fans. Generally good cricket chat and carried out in an entertaining manner. Some excellent analysis, although at times Menas especially gets too caught up in himself. So I'm going to say to you, cunning Tom, go and listen to another cricket podcast. Unsubscribe to Cricket Unfiltered. If I get too caught up in myself, then this is not the right show for you. Here's some suggestions. The Unplayable podcast is pretty boring. I think you'd like that. The Analyst, you'd very much like that. Also, if you want some good podcasts, The Final Word or The Biology Report are excellent. So, Tom, go and find them because I think they are going to suit you more. He's ended the review saying the only real drawback is sometimes it becomes the Cricket New South Wales Unfiltered podcast. And, Paul, I will say, objectively, sometimes we do lean towards New South Wales, but that's because we live here, we go to all our cricket here, we commentate on the blues. So that's just a natural sort of view we have. Yeah, just myself, I know that I do that um, a lot. The brewer, Just, focus on brewer work, cricket. <laughs> focus on I. I find myself, um, yeah, focusing on cricket, New South Wales, because that's that's the people that we deal with too. That's the players I deal with and mm. everything. So I'll I'll cop that. Yeah, and I have the most info, insights on the cricket, New South Wales. So Cunning Tom, thanks for review. Go and find another podcast. I think Cunning Tom should continue to listen to this podcast. Please stay coming, Cunning very, Tom. We, we we distance ourselves from. I can do with one less listen a week. Honestly, I do not care. So stay for us. The one part of his review I disagree with is I don't think that we actually give New South Wales cricket enough attention. Um, it is really? the, do- it's the dominant state. It has been the, the, the sole reason primarily for Australia's 140-something years success as the most um, successful cricket side in the world. Mm-hmm. We probably have underdone New South Wales. We probably should focus on our home state a little bit more. And whenever you ask anyone from overseas about Australia, they never talk about anywhere else but Sydney or New South Wales. So, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe we could up the focus on New South Wales. <laughs> and finally, do you want to read the last review from Matty? Yeah, top notch. Quite simply, the best cricket podcast in Australia if not the world. Well done and great work, boys. Thank you, Matty. You know your stuff a lot better than Tim and What are you Tom. doing posting on, a, on New Year's Day, Matty? <laughs> He's like, dedicated. <laughs> dedicated listener. So, no, no, good no, on you, Matty. Thanks to all those people that left reviews. Even those people that left bad reviews are never going to listen to again. I say goodbye. But if you can go on and leave a review, it's um, great for us to talk about, but it's better for people to know what the show is about. And we really appreciate it because it just, um, I don't know, keeps us going, doesn't it, Paul? Even the bad ones. I love it when Fuel people like my give anger. You, I love feedback yeah. on like everything. Like I, I love it when people tweet me like good and bad and good. Yeah, as you between. can tell, I've got a very thick skin. <laughs> Imagine if someone actually. Oh, I cry for three hours every night over it, but I love it. <laughs> Imagine if someone actually gave a genuinely bad review what you do, Menace. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lachlan's cousin, when he told me to shut up, was a pretty genuine review. Tim. <laughs>
Um, all right, let's bring this podcast home with Can't Let It Go. Uh, it's the way we like to end it. Uh, Paul, you can uh, open the batting on this one. I was just delighted that Australia won the toss and bowled last night because Kerry O'Keefe and Michael Slater both said, oh, that's a bit strange. They should have batted. And then it was revealed that in winter especially, which it is in India at the moment, in Mumbai, there's tremendous dew in the second innings. And so Australia did the right thing in bowling. I reckon in years gone by, we would have been, oh, you know, we don't have to worry about these stats. Go, shut your computer. We're just going to bat first. And that's that's the way we do things. That Set a target. Put the pressure on. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I just think that um, under the Justin Langer and now Andrew McDonald regime, I think that the, the standard of everything has lifted so much. And... Um, you know, I'm just absolutely delighted by how well Australia are playing. We'll win everything in the next few... If, if, if there's a World Cup on now, no matter where it was played, Australia will win in any form of the game. Like it. Jaleesa? Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to um, another cricket legend, other than Warney, Jeff Thompson, who parted ways with his baggy green and a flannel vest to raise money for the bushfires. So um, I think because of the whole Warney cap, it probably didn't get as much coverage everywhere, but still a very lovely gesture. And it's up to 53000 um, Wow, a bit short of the million. Well, just the CBA are just waiting. <laughs> Because um, they can hijack come another. Come on, A and Z. Yeah. Do CBA. That's right. Um, five days, six hours remaining. Wow. So get on there if you want to. What website was it? Lloyd? It's on Lloyd's. Lloyd's. Yeah, go and find Jeff. Lloyd's Tom- online. Tomo's at. Be good for um, Pommies to get that one. Now, my can't let it go. I've got two. And sorry, um, whoever it is. It might be a bit New South Wales centric. But... I walked around the Sydney showground where the Thunder play, and this never happens to me at the Sydney cricket ground. I walked around, and as I walked around, I got hungrier and hungrier as I was looking at every decent-looking food stall as I went around the ground. There was so much to choose from, uh, all different types of cuisines. It was just really mouth-watering stuff. And whenever I walk around the SCG, I actually am turned off eating because the food looks so bad there, especially when you get outside the members area. I've heard some comments that the food's good in the noble stand. Well, that's the members area where it's, you know, the best in the ground. But I don't think it's the same for the punters in the the outer. So I think the SCG needs to look at improving their food because the Sydney showground, you had really good espresso coffee. There wasn't $8 for a coffee. It was a normal price. I think it makes a big difference. If you want to take your kids there or your family and have a bit of an afternoon at the cricket, having good food at a good price is a big thing. I agree with you. And I, the, the SCG, what is it, for a Coke there, is it $7.50? I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but I would say I was there this year that the food has improved. It's gone from very bad to below average. Right. And I'd like it to be good. Maybe you know, that was something to do with the um, Sydney with Sydney Olympic Park because I was out at the ATP Cup tennis the other day um, and night and I thought the same thing. There were all these great food stalls. Yeah, um, I think there is something with a catering contract at the SCG. I'm not exactly sure, but I just know the variety at mm. the home, the Thunder home ground was great. So big tick to them and I think uh, other grounds around the country need to take note. And I've got two can't let it goes because he's just so bloody charming. George Bailey, got to speak to him after the, the hurricanes and the thunder at the Sydney showground and Bailey's just funny, cracking jokes, so good with the media and I just cannot wait until he is selecting national sides because I think he's going to be a really good communicator with the players that are on the, the fringes of the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so yeah, George Bailey can't let go. What a great guy and what a great career. Cool. Well, 
I think that's it for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. Julissa, thanks so much for coming back. My pleasure. We had such a lot of great feedback about your two appearances before Christmas. Oh, good. Like loads and loads of people, more than anybody. You know, when Paul came on the show this year, I didn't get the amount of messages <laughs> I got. But, um, yeah, the, the listeners really have enjoyed listening to you. So thanks so much for making time on your day off and coming over. Great. Shout out to my family who are probably that feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, I'm only joking. You keep the job. Thanks thanks for framing me <laughs> last week against Gus and making me look like an idiot. But we'll move on from it. I'll get over it this year. <laughs> Glad you're happy, man. You've been in a very happy mood this show. <laughs> All right, listeners. That's it for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. Stay tuned for next week's show. Okay, now, all ready to go? Yep. Should I clap? Should we clap? Yeah, we should. You want to do it? You do it. Okay. Um. Great. <laughs> become, 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 <laughs> become down for Jaleesa. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how we do it. <laughs> <laughs>